Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The So Bros Network presents the movie podcast breaking down films and their impact on pop culture as they approach the legal drinking age. This is Drinking With. Now here's your host, Stephen McCash. All right, boys and girls, it's time once again for an exciting brand new episode of Drinking With. It's the podcast where we take a walk to the bar and discuss movies turning 21 years old this year. We will discuss the film while giving our thoughts, opinions of the movie, as well as throwing in some fun trivia about the film. It's springtime. I can feel it in the air. I hope you can, too. But as always, I cannot do this show by myself, so please let me introduce my partners in crime on Drinking With. First, across from me at the table, you can see you you can't see him, but I can. So it doesn't matter if I tell you if it's right or left because you can't see. Maybe we'll do some video options of this at, at some point. Anyway, uh, Mr. Brandon Vick, uh, the head uh, movie reviewer for the uh, for Sobros Network. I got all confused doing my yeah, introduction. You know I don't. <laughs> I'm so excited about the change in the air and it not being you know butt ass cold every day. Head film reviewer, types on keyboard analyst for Sobros Network. Thank you. <laughs> and I got so confused prior to hitting us hitting record. We spent like 20 minutes talking about uh, WrestleMania predictions and such. So, you know, I got a little excited talking about wrestling because we don't do that that often here. No. So how, how's your spring starting off, sir? Uh, not too shabby. Yeah. Um, nothing really exciting's happened except... I'm a dad. That's great. That's it. How's it feel? Um, feels great. I'm not tired. I'm not stressed. <laughs> good night's sleep. Doing good. Yeah. yeah. No crying from anyone. So you don't know what the big deal is everybody's talking no, about? No. We're all already right. working on our next one. Okay. It's so easy. Well, we didn't know. It. That's TMI, buddy. Oh. TMI. Sorry. Uh, is but this not for Patreon? <laughs> well, no. Oh. no. This one's free, so let's hold off. <laughs> oh, my bad. Uh, maybe we'll uh, do some uh, extra after the... After, Ooh, the, after hours. <laughs> after hours. Mm. Mm, drinking with ex- <laughs> after hours. And then also with us, as always, is the head EIC of the Sobros Network, Mr. Stoney Keeley. Sir, how is spring treating you so far? Pretty good so far. I'm also a dad, which... Oh, uh, shit. Oh, Crazy. We, Breaking we got, news. <laughs> we got some things to figure <laughs> out, folks. I wish you would have said in the resident editor-in-chief... Of this magazine Keyboard puncher. on the website. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I love this time of year. Yeah. Um, kind of coming out of the um, the winter blues a little bit. You know, things are starting to thaw a little bit outside and looking forward to getting back outside. Once, once the holidays are over for me, I'm like, let's just go ahead and warm it up. I don't need January and February. After like, New Year's. Well, After New Year's, it's so cold. And then it's also just kind of boring. Well, yeah. my, my birthday's in January, so I kind of need that oh, one. Oh, sorry. Well, I like, touche. I like touche. gifts. Yeah. yeah. I do like gifts. 
I just mean like in general, like I, you know, I mean Valentine's Day has never really been a big deal in our house. No. And then even like most movies. Sometimes that's when the babies are made, though. That's true. That's true. Nope, not us. We did it in the hot <laughs> July moon. You just got to subtract by nine, yeah, buddy. Let me, yeah. Yeah. Let me go back. <laughs> Carry the one. Let me go back. Let me think. You were there, right? Yeah, no, he no, he looks just like me. <laughs> Great. And had one tooth when he came out. <laughs> There's a joke somewhere there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I can't make it right now. This is even better at the time of my life of me saying this. I want to I'm going to listen to this in March <laughs> and I'm going to be like, "Oh god. Thank God your wife I doesn't listen to this." Wrong. Thank God my wife doesn't like what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she has listened to any. Well, I'm I don't know if I listened to any. <laughs> I was she, about to say, have you? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you don't come prepared. Why would you listen? Yeah, why? <laughs> why the hell would I listen to what I don't know? Do y'all listen to the shows? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I ask that because a lot of times for me, I don't really like to, like, I love to talk, but I don't like to hear it. I don't like the sound of my voice, but I like to go back and listen to the podcast. One, to quickly uh, laugh at myself for the fuck-ups I make during introductions. And then two, to hopefully make notes to get better. Okay. I was going to say, Bingo. the only time I have listened, and it hasn't been that much because my, my shit's pretty flawless, but <laughs> is I do like, oh, did I say that? Or, oh, you know what? I want to listen to this because I want to see if I do this or if I do if I do that. But then there's times where I don't know about you guys, but the way we do this show, sometimes when it, when it actually goes out, I'm shocked. I don't remember doing it. There have been a few of those that I'm like, Oh my God, that was, that was in 2020. I think I, I, I don't listen to every show that Sobros network puts out. You physically can't. That's exhausting. Yeah. It's like five to six podcasts a week, but I do go back and listen to the drinking with episodes because we record them so far in advance. We, we need the numbers. It's kind of yeah. fun. It's kind of fun to relive it because you forget about things. Like I'm finding that with a lot of the stuff that we recorded for the Sobros content retreat back mm. last August. Mm -hmm. It's like I don't remember some of the stuff that we recorded. Like you go tunnel vision and you kind of black out and you just work for three days. Oh, yeah. And then you start seeing some of the stuff you have saved that it's time to release. And you're like, oh, I never listened to that. Let's fire this up. It's kind of fun. And then sometimes I say cringeworthy things, and I'm like, oh, why? Yeah. Why did you, you say that? Yeah. Oh. I have I no filter, but I, yeah, I have but a I good rewind track. I, I would say I don't well, ever remember. We also do football podcasts where yeah. part of the game is like you've got to predict and analyze a game, and sometimes you just get things horribly wrong. Yeah. Like I thought, you know, Vanderbilt would be close to Tennessee, for example, in their mm. final game of the year. 56 to nothing, I think, is what the score was. Uh, no, they had a three. Was it three points? No. No, no it, it was, was zero. Nothing. It yeah. was zero. Huh? I, said, I said NC State was a playoff team back in August. Are they awful? Well, they're eight and four, and they're not anywhere near the playoffs. No. So no. Yeah. I, also, I also said Utah would be a playoff team. And Clemson. Closer on that one, though. Closer on that one. I like to go back and listen to some drinking with because I know for a fact there are times like you opened up the show where I think the host blacks out 
and has no I, idea where he is. I, I have a senior moment from time to time. <laughs> I know we've gone back and have been like, did you say that? No, I didn't say Are you sure? It's like, was it Allstate has those uh, throw the flag yeah. commercials? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's basically what it is. So, yeah, uh, I'm doing great. Good. good. I love spring. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I love spring. We're about, what, 10, 12 minutes in now. We yeah. don't even have any discuss what we're watching. <laughs> no. What's the fucking point? Because <laughs> it's one of those rare occasions where we all three seem to agree on this film. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen too often. It doesn't happen. Show. So, I'm excited to talk about this film, and that is the 2002 M. Night Shyamalan uh, film Signs. Hell yeah. 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 Um, Signs is a film uh, about Graham, who's a former minister who had lost his faith, and most recently his wife. Uh, he encounters strange crop designs in his cornfields around his family home, and as strange events begin to unfold around him and his family, Graham and his family come face-to-face with otherworldly forces and learn a life lesson in the process. Oh Yeah, they do. Swing away. Swing away. Yeah. Meryl. Swing away, Meryl Streep. <laughs> uh, sign stars Mel Gibson. Hell yeah, as Graham. <laughs> Real popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids love him these days. <laughs> uh, Joaquin Phoenix as his younger brother. Rory, a young Rory Culkin, as uh, his oldest son or his only son, really. And then Abigail Breslin in, in her film debut. Oh, that was her film debut. Yeah, it was. That? I know. I Little Miss Sunshine yeah. was a, was a ahead of her. Yeah. Uh, oh, she must have been really young. She's probably, what, five or six in that. It's not for signs, I mean. Probably, yeah. And then I didn't recognize Rory Culkin at first, especially I, I, with the, no. the lighter the lighter color hair. Mm-hmm. The blondish hair kind of threw me off. But it was directed and written by M. Night Shyamalan, released August 2nd, 2002. It had some heavy competition when it came out. You had Austin Powers' Gold Member, mm. Masters of Disguise, which I never saw. Uh, Road to Perdition, never Ooh. saw. Mm, you've never seen Road to Perdition? No. And then the one I have seen, Martin Lawrence, Run Tell That. So when you say heavy competition. Austin Powers. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, There's nothing like Austin Powers' gold member and then, you know, that Dana Carvey masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> the master of disguise. Oh, that movie was that movie was bad. <laughs> oh God! Uh, but yeah, as 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 bad or worse than Son of Mask? I don't think I even saw Son of Mask. I know I, I didn't. I don't think I did. I don't even think I've watched all of Masters of Disguise. That trailer was awful. Uh, and I think it made like four million dollars. Something like that. Yeah, a movie watching a movie like that can lead you to drink. That's right. Yeah. Uh, or never make a movie again. Or never make a movie. R.I.P. Chopping broccoli somewhere in retirement. Uh, the show is called Drinking With, so of course we have to have something to drink with. And and doing research, uh, as I do, because I, I deep dive, there was a gentleman at Destry Broad on Twitter. Okay. In June of 2019, he tweeted out, they should make a drink called the M. Night Shyamalan. Ooh. It takes forever to drink and has a shitty twist at the end, but you keep buying more to see if the last one was made wrong. That's son of a bitch. <laughs> That's a good tweet. That's an excellent tweet. tweet. Uh, so, of course, I call this drink the M. Night Shyamalan. It's a simple drink, and I think it actually tastes good, to be honest. A uh, quarter ounce of gin, quarter ounce of scotch whiskey, and a, co- and a half ounce of apple brandy. Shake all the ingredients with ice, strain into an old-fashioned glass over ice cubes, and serve. 
that sounds interesting. I'm not sure if that's a drink for me, but it that concoction sounds intriguing. Love scotch, love gin, love apple brandy. Let's go. I'm in. But together? I said I'm in, buddy. Yeah. Okay. I <laughs> just wanted to make sure you understood <laughs> that those are together this. in one glass. Let's give these people some time to hit pause and 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 make a run to the liquor store to get some apple brandy because I'm hoping you have the other two Nobody by has hand. Apple brandy. I mean, the, well, you might have some left over from the Christmas holidays. In March, I said some. It doesn't go bad. That's no. Soon. People have already drank that. Oh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, we want to talk about money. Sure. Let's talk about box office. So the budget for signs, gentlemen, what? Do we think? Uh, Mel Gibson probably commanded a hefty fee back in 2002. Yeah, he did. Um, what was that? Was that around the Patriot? Yeah, it was. It would have been what women like or what women want. Oh, that was a huge hit for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, oh fuck. Uh, my it's gut. only would be for him though, because Joaquin Abigail. I mean, not, nothing else is. I'm going to go out on a limb. My gut says 78. 78. I'm going to go 46. 46. Well, believe it or not, Stoney, you're the closest without... Well, you did go over. Uh, 72. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm thinking, like, there's also... I mean, you think about, like, the production design with the the so aliens. So much takes place in that house, I feel Yeah. Like. I'm, but, yeah. Okay. I well, M. Knight had to pay himself. He's in the movie. That's, yeah, he, that's So true. he double dipped. Yeah. Well, triple dipped because oh, yeah. he wrote it. I'm sure he produced it, too. I wouldn't think it's anything crazy less. like that. I'm trying to look at Did his. Did you know he self-funds most of the movies now? Like really? From The Visit to, I think it started with The Visit, Split, Glass. Well, that way nobody can tell him no anymore. No, and you know, but because of that, all of his films do make a lot of profit because he, the studios are not having to invest that much. Yeah. Not that he doesn't get nice returns, but I mean, it's pretty bold to be honest, but he, the visit did not cost that much to make and was a surprise hit. So all that money came back. I think that's where he finally did his unbreakable split trilogy thing with glass. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 2000 Mel Gibson, you've got a movie I've never heard of the million dollar hotel. No, I don't know what yeah. that is. I don't know what that is either. Yeah. It's done as a favor. Chicken Run. Hell yeah. <laughs> love that movie. Uh, the Patriot. Yes. I what, love The Patriot. Yep. The What Women Want. Yep. Uh, and then We Were Soldiers. Yep. Oh, We Were Soldiers ruled. And then that was also 2002, so you have that in signs. For what happened to his career? Uh, he said some things. Hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, in Daddy's Home too, he was quite delightful. Because... You you was that look comeback. You know attempt at a comeback. Yeah, excuse me, Makash. You know, thank <laughs> you for asking. I would say that his real comeback is when he directed Hacksaw Ridge and got nominated. I will. Okay. I will. That movie was awesome. It was. Now yeah. the key is he wasn't in it. Yes, the key. <laughs> um, you got Andrew Garfield. You can't not love him. So 2004, he did Paparazzi, The Scene, Detective some other things I've never heard of. And then you didn't hear from him until 2010. A long yeah. time. Yeah. yeah that's well, no one would touch him. And even when he came back, I think, wasn't it Edge of Darkness? Was Edge something? of Darkness. The Beaver, which was kind of really the comeback. That was good. Yeah. That was the Jodie Foster yep. directed movie. Yep. 
And then he was in uh, Machete Kills, Expendables yeah. 3, then Daddy's Home 2. He kind of became who he is. He was yeah. the villain in a lot of movies. And then he became, I, I call him movie, a Redbox actor. Yeah. Yep. Every now and then he'll pop up in something, but yeah. Yeah. There's supposedly a pre-production rumored Lethal Weapon 5 happening. There is. Oh. Breaking Matter news. Matter of fact, Richard Donner was going to come back and direct that it before correct. he died. And I think Mel Gibson might try and direct it this time. Okay. So is it safe to say that Signs is his last Hurrah. huge movie, like Mel Gibson at the top of a movie poster headlining? Man. Because it does sound well, like we got there. We're, I don't want to jump ahead, but M. Night Shyamalan did not want him on the posters at all. Really? Oh, yeah. Why? Because it's an ensemble piece, and he didn't want Mel Gibson oh. to take away from that. So did he pay everyone the same as Mel Gibson? I'm sure Abigail got just as much right. as Mel Gibson did. If you want to, back then you sell it, and Mel Gibson belongs on it. And you know what? Ill Night lost because his name's on it, and I specifically because I had the poster. He, at one point, it was just the crop sign. Yeah. But there's another one where he's going through the weeds, and it just shows Mel Gibson. Yeah. I think it was. Right. We'll uh, we'll get to my note about that. But okay. Yeah. So uh, the money. So it was seventy two. Seventy two. Opening okay. weekend, U.S. Canada. <clears throat> What do we got? It's August 2002. Right. It's the end of summer blockbuster yep. season. You could say this was, I'd have to look to see if what else came out that month, but this may have been the last one of the year. I'm going to tell this is really weird to me. I feel like, I don't know why, but I, re I remember, and I could be totally wrong, but I remember thinking it was the number one movie that weekend, and it made like $63 million. But and that's in U.S. So I'm going to go a little more than that and think it's right below making its money back on opening weekend and say sixty-eight. My gut reaction was fifty-six. So I'm going to I'm going to stick with that. Fifty-six and sixty-eight. Yeah, you're kind of in the middle. Sixty point one. Mm. So it was sixty. Yeah. I remember yeah. thinking yeah. that it made because back then that was a big deal. That's a big opening. It is. Yeah. Uh, I guess it still is. Really. I mean, technically, it's a horror film. At heart, thriller, yeah. sci-fi, yeah, a little bit of all that. Those movies usually don't make that kind of opening weekend money. Until if it's PG thirteen, which I think it is. I think it was, yeah. And you have, I mean, listen, Mel Gibson's a big draw at that time. No, true. Mm -hmm. You get and M Knight's coming off of Six Sense and Unbreakable, so his name means something. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is coming mm -hmm. off of an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The you mean Oscar nomination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought he meant when he won for Joker. I was about to say, oh, honey, that was Joker just a few was years ago. Too, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And I would think that was his. I don't. I mean, was that his next big thing? I, I felt like that was probably. When I think about it, looking back, I feel like that was the first time that I noticed Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. No. And Gladiator I, was still. And then I went back and, and saw, saw Gladiator. Yeah. No, uh, that makes sense. I've just, I've because if you know us or if you know this brand and you know me, I Gladiator, I remember him. But I will say that I think this was probably an introduction to him for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think this that's what led and to him being cast in The Village, which would come next for M. Sure. Knight. But then plus two, I mean, at this point, I mean, M. Knight 
has a little bit of buzz behind his name oh, too. His name after Unbreakable yep. and the oh, Sixth yeah. Sense. Yep. yep. No. He, there, he's there's plenty of draws. He was an Oscar nominee, or did he win? No, he, he was won nominated for, for Sixth Sense. Did he win for screenwriting or anything? I don't think so. Okay. But it was his first film, and it was. I know. I'm pretty sure he was nominated for screenplay, director, and picture, which is a mm. big old deal. But yeah. yeah, that makes sense on why it makes something like that. And it, like you said, anything that's remotely scary, and then aliens, and then people know uh, you poke fun of it with the drink, but people know there's a twist in there somewhere. It's yeah. what he was yeah. known for. Mm-hmm. So, so for for Joaquin, obviously, you know the the mainstream's uh, first foray into him was Gladiator, mm-hmm. but then he he in the '90s he had some he was in some good big movies like To Die For with Nicole Kidman. You had Inventing the Abbots, which was critics loved that movie when it came I out. I think those are indies, though, right? I don't. To die inv- for, I feel like Inventing the Abbots was a a major release, though. Major release, but see, I don't even think about that. U Turn, I love that oh, movie. Oh yeah, okay. Clay Pigeons, and Eight Millimeter. Eight Millimeter, okay. And then then that's when Gladiator pretty much came around. He did that in Quills and Buffalo Soldiers. Now, see, Quill's got a big got a big thing. I think yeah. it was mainly Kate Winslet and Jeffrey Rush got most of the recognition, but I think he's always been a somewhat of a critical darling. Yeah. But he's never chosen some, like, mainstream stuff more than others. Like, I remember thinking how big of a deal it was that he was going to be Johnny Cash and walk the line. He's perfect for it, but, I mean, that is a – that was a big movie, but he's also playing a very – Big, yeah big roles so but but he's pretty much a normal guy in this yeah yeah. like he's not crazy he's not you know he looks like a healthy weight and there's nothing that screams minor league baseball star no not not at at all all. nope (laughs) he his character doesn't even acknowledge it really nope just that bat but god he just it's he comes in handy yeah so, uh, U.S. box office overall was two twenty eight, and worldwide was uh, over just a little over four hundred eight million. Dang, blockbuster! Off yeah, seventy two million. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, I was talking about maybe that was the last one for the year. The next week, uh, you had three debuts: Bloodwork, not familiar. It's a Warner Brothers release. It's a Clint Eastwood movie oh, with Jeff man. Daniels. Yeah, don't know it. Spy Kids two. Okay. Mm-kay. And the number one film for the following week was Triple X. Oh, yeah, Triple X. I forgot about that one. Another one I never saw. Yeah, that appeared to end up uh, wrapping <laughs> that up. Was done. Yeah, that wrapped up the uh, blockbuster season for the year. That next week, uh, the signs uh, box office dropped 51%. Dropped it, it only dropped to number two, but still. That's fine. It did not hurt itself too much. Um, so, some fun things I have. We talked about, you know, the budget for this film and everything. I think a part of it is, is that M. Night Shyamalan is not a fan of CGI. He likes practical effects and such. So, all the crop circles, they're real. Really? Mm. Yeah. Did not know that. a nice that. touch. I yep. also didn't know that M. Night didn't like CGI. I didn't I either. I didn't either. Yeah. That explains why The Last Airbender is awful, I guess. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Uh, the production actually used a new watering technique to make the grown, the corn grow faster. 
And it was so impressive much the Delaware Valley Agricultural College was then very keen to adopt it for themselves. How about that? So they're Damn. M. Night making change. making science. <laughs> yeah. Making real change it is. He did say that this was the easiest uh, of all of his movies to write and direct. That's because Mel Gibson. Yeah. I will say I'd never seen it before. I didn't know what to expect, really. And then, like, in the first, like, 20, 30 minutes, I didn't realize how much I was laughing. Yeah. Because there's, yeah. Some, there's some clever little one-liners in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Uh, and then there's some, some one-lines or, you know, or such that I just felt the deliveries were so corny that it just made me laugh as well. And then I think that's when I noticed that Mel Gibson's, like, character shows basically no emotion even when you have the flashbacks to his wife yeah i i feel like that's intentional and i feel like that's the delivery m night wanted like i don't think mel gibson i i would be shocked if that was his personal choice i feel like m night wanted that and i think part of it is because he is He's in a grieving process, so I feel like he's never truly, like, he's there, but he's, you know, he hasn't gotten over any of that. Right. And I think, to me, I think they go to that experience, and I think there is a a, a portion of him that's numb. And so when these things are happening, he's not he's not having a normal reaction to what, like, you know— the kids and walking Phoenix have, it seems like everybody else is really realizing the terror, but I, it's, it's not hitting him the same way. Yeah. So I, I kind of like it. Cause I think some of it makes it a little more chilling when he just seems like. It's kind talking. of despondent. Yeah. At certain yeah. Times. yeah. Cause he had lost also, his faith. Right. And so now he, and he's also thinking of other things to kind of dismiss it too. <clears throat> so he's not getting caught up in it, but I think there is that numbingness that's there that has his reaction where I think it could be off-putting, but I think you kind of have to realize that he's not he's not the same guy before the car accident. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's he's barely getting by and as you, it is. You see that throughout the film when he goes into town or he's he interacts with mm-hmm. that other police officer and they're all calling him father. Yeah. And, and he's, he's like, like, don't call me that anymore. It, I, I was waiting for the scene to happen or the interaction to happen where he finally snaps on somebody. Yeah. It never came, but I was expecting that to happen. And I think that takes a lot of reserve for Mel Gibson. Yeah. Because Mel Gibson, just within his action roles, can get, I mean, Lethal very Weapon in your movies. Face, yeah. very, yes. And, you know, the war movies he's in. So I think that's why I, I really kind of enjoyed his performance in this, actually. And I personally... I think Signs was kind of what for me is M Night's last, like, awesome movie. Not saying I haven't been fans of other stuff he's done since then, but for me, Signs was the last big movie that I really enjoyed, and I, I I've, I've never I don't think ever gotten there again. Oh, with I this have. Stuff. Split did it for me. I and the visit. S- I love Split. I didn't really like the visit. I like Split. But and that's probably my last one that I've liked of his. But you didn't like old. Yeah, it was it was okay. Okay, but I I guess like that energy and I think maybe like we were talking about 
coming off of Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, like when he did a movie, it was almost like the way I'm probably going to get hate mail, but it's almost like a Tarantino or Spielberg. Like at that time, an M. Night movie meant thrills, chills, twists, and and he he got big stars. I looked at it. I looked at it as if I lived during the 50s and 60s when Hitchcock put out a new film. Yes, that's a great comparison. And he uses he uses Hitchcock as an influence a lot, especially in this film. And he is one of the ones that's writing and directing his own shit and putting it out there. And that, I mean, it still means something. And he's still doing it. A a couple of points I don't want to forget before we move on. Uh, To your point about, like, some of the dialogue, like, being kind of of cheesy and corny. And Brandon saying, like, sometimes it feels like that's a choice. I was going to bring up the visit because that was something that was billed as an original thriller but then after it came out and the critics response came through where people were saying it was funny then it shifted to become a bit of a horror comedy and part of it was like the delivery some of the dialogue just felt so hokey so it kind of feels like maybe that is like in part part of the process and i think that's why a lot of people like the visit and i i remember seeing it it was at, I just remember it being an advanced screening, and it kind of reminded me, it's not as bad as this movie, but when I saw Wes Craven's Cursed, which yes. is a horror comedy, yeah, but that's not how it's sold to you. So when you sit down and watch it, you, I mean, and I think it's the same with M. Night, their names are attached to a very specific sort of genre that if it's supposed to be funny, but no one's let you in on that, then you can only take it that it's unintentional. And that's how the visit came across to me. Like some of with those old people, like even the way she ran, it wasn't creepy. It was weird and funny. And then like, I mean, you know, and there's uh, unlike that, X where <clears throat> that woman was just creepy. Exactly. That's the difference. Yeah. That is the difference. So talking about how M Knight used to have that big hype behind his name. Yeah. Uh, mentioning him there with the, the Tarantinos uh, of the, of the world. When and do just you think name, just name, and just and name, yeah, yeah, just sure. name and excitement of, of what he's doing. When do you think that fell off for him? Was it the village in 04 or was it not until a lady in the water or, or what? Cause I, well, I feel like the village was the first time I remember leaving the theater and hearing people in the theater talking about what the fuck was that? I think that was his last um, well, actually, I come to find out it would be, uh, it would end his streak. But I, I think it's both. I think the village he was going, he was going along that same path that he that had been successful, and I think a lot of would say that's his worst of that up to that point. Mm-hmm. Then I think by the time he went in a different direction with Lady in the Water, that was it. Yeah. And so I guess if if what you liked, what M. Night was putting down, the village probably thought, uh, okay. It's gone too far. Then it's Lady in the Water, I think, kind of, I don't think gained him any new fans, and he yeah. lost more of the ones that started to drop off at, with the village. 
I will say for me personally, I actually like the village. No, I, I did too. Is it the weak of those? Is it the weakest of those four? Mm-hmm. Yes, but I I didn't mind the village and what it was trying to say. Lady in the Water was very different, but I like that as well. And the yeah. cast is is a huge part of that. Well, the cast in the village is huge too. I mean, just yeah, look sure. at you. Jesse Eisenberg, mm-hmm. Judy Greer. You had Brendan Gleeson, Adrian Brody, Joaquin again, Sigourney Weaver, William Hurt, and and basically the debut of Bryce Dallas Bryce Dallas Howard. Yep. Yeah. And then she I, come back for Lady in the Water with yeah. Paul Giamatti. But for me, the happening is when I finally the threw in the towel. Yeah, the happening was the moment that, that was awful. I I felt like people at that point said. The gimmick's over. Yeah, and don't tell and me that's done. a horror comedy. That's just a straight up awful fucking com- uh, horror movie. Yeah, and I, it was it was billed as his first rated R. Like, oh, wait till you see what he's done, and it was shit. That's what I'm saying. Like they kept trying to sell it as M Night. They like, tried to still put his name it. back there. He still got it, and now it's rated R. And then when that was disappointing too. I felt like that's when people were like, all right, yeah, yeah we're And that we're was done. the first of many bad choices from Mark Wahlberg, so. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. I, actually, I shouldn't even say the first. <laughs> it's just one of many. Yeah. And Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Oh, shit, I forgot about her. Yeah. That's completely. the only two I remember in yeah. there. That's the only two. I mean, I kind of lost with the, uh, after Oops. the happening, I, you're playing footsie on the table Oops. with me. <laughs> uh, I never saw The Last Airbender because... It just oh, that was stupid. I never saw After Earth. Oh, that was a disaster. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. And then I got back on board with the visit and split and glass and old. And the, his TV series Servant is really good. So I kind of like the first season and I just couldn't get back into it. Yeah. But I It's slow. It's slow. I will say from the village is when it started, all the way up till After Earth. Nobody, he, he didn't mean anything. Anymore. No, he didn't. And the only thing he started kind of doing or sticking with was producing. But then, and I, I got to give it to him. He's a smart guy. He went on ahead and actually put his own money into it. And that's when the visit happened. And I would say between the visit and if, if that started the push, a split brought him back. Oh, yeah. And... I haven't seen, I would say, between Signs and Split, uh, there was a lot of forgettable stuff that he did. But Split brought him back. And since then, he's gone to that new technique of, I'll put up most of it. And then he has a deal with, I think it's Universal maybe. And it's safe for them. And he usually gets his, I mean, gets his money back and more. So he's got a nice little thing going now. But if you notice... It's not, I guarantee you, I have a, I, I, well, maybe I shouldn't guarantee, but the budgets of those big old blockbusters, that's not, that's not what he's playing with anymore. But it's, it's. I don't it's, think his movies usually need that though. It's made him, it's made him successful again. Yeah. I agree. And I think he's smart in how he can do it and not have to spend that much honestly because i think he's a good enough writer so he can write stuff that doesn't need a ton of effects whether they're practical or not but going back to split i mean he had a great script for that i felt it was a it was a great it was such a great yeah concept but that movie is not what it is without without james mcavoy i agree and i think anna taylor joy played just as an important part but mcavoy 
again, but it's like with signs. I think at that time you get someone like Mel Gibson. I don't know if replacing with someone back then, and I don't think you don't have the star power. And listen, for everything of him being an asshole, Mel Gibson was, and probably still is, if someone brings it out in him, a great actor. True. I think he's a better director, in my opinion. But so, but I agree. And I'm going to tell you, I, I actually am really looking forward to... Um, knock at the cabin? The knock at the door. Knock at the door. And it's based off a book that I just read called oh. The Cabin at the End of the World. Okay. But he did write it with two other people, but it is an adaptation. So and this since, be this is, since this is Marge, it's already come out. It's already come out. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... Going sure, back, it's fun. Going back to Mel Gibson, uh, Shyamalan said he wanted Gibson because he's the guy you believe would protect his family at all costs. Well, that's and in two thousand two, that's I true. see that. Yeah. I see it now. He's he's got that sort <laughs> of like. I see it now. He it's had scary. that sort of tough guy moxie, but he he had that dad energy too. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I think and like instantly one of the most lighthearted roles, but I think is one of his most. Uh, popular ones is what women want and the whole yeah. thing was like he was trying on lipstick paint i mean he he was not afraid i, I kind of hate like i mean i'm not saying that he you know he shot himself in the foot many occasions but he he could be that action star but also make fun of himself in a comedic way and people people love that people love that still yeah i think that to me that's what ryan reynolds is Oh yeah, action star. That's exactly what he mm -hmm. is. So well, why couldn't Spirited be better? Okay, calm down. <laughs> but but yeah, but no, I I agree. I I really I think that that's and I think that's a good way to put it. Especially back then, if you can think about and you running off some of the films he'd done. I mean, the man w did a romantic comedy. He did war movies. He did action movies, and now he's doing a horror movie. Yeah, which I, I don't think he ever did one again. I don't Gibson? Think he's ever, yeah. yeah. I don't think he's ever done like a... Not that I can not, think of. I mean, a thriller, an action thriller, but not, not no. like that. I would say, to M. Knight's point, look at the father he plays in The Patriot. Exactly. That captures that energy of like... Exactly. You know, like, he's a loving father, but don't piss the man off. Yeah. Yeah. When it came to the marketing of the film, there was two things that M. Knight insisted on. One, there's no reference to the Sixth Sense. He wants it, this to be an it's an entirely different movie. He wants it to be presented mm -hmm. that way. Mm. And he didn't want Mel Gibson's face on it because he wanted to present this as an ensemble piece because it's about a family. But did he not want so he didn't want to hit Mel Gibson's name on there either? I think that there's I think the name was fine. It's just what he insisted on was that his face I do I do remember a lot of the posters having the crop signs. Mm -hmm. But I also do know there was at least one with him in it. I, I get I get it, but at the same time, like you gotta get people to the theaters. And at that time, well, Mel Gibson's face probably got people to the theaters. I will tell you this, and I'm just especially reading some of the stories back then of Ilm Knight's confidence in himself. That's where I was headed. Ego is I bet you're talking about a director, and not there's anything wrong with it. And you were talking about Hitchcock, and Hitchcock had a way of where he was in his own movies. Mm -hmm. But Elm Knight probably didn't mind if his name was on that poster. Oh no, and I think he may have wanted it to be the only name on the right. poster. So, 
I kind of find that funny that he that it's an ensemble piece when I think he could have he would have easily made it just about himself. But I also kind of don't like when you have such a such monumental success right out of the gate and then you don't want people like the like you could say from the writer director of the sixth sense and unbreakable and i don't think anybody would that doesn't mean signs should be like those yeah but the thing is m night's doing movies that are thrillers that have twists and that have big casts that it's it's more similar than he thinks but I don't know. I kind of call bullshit on that. That doesn't make sense. You also, if he didn't care, then don't don't hire a star. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Don't hire a star. Let the let the <clears throat> your writing be the star, and your directing. You can't get Mel Gibson. You want Mel Gibson, but then you don't yeah. want the, you don't want to show Mel Gibson. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's like when I think of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All the marketing for that was presented as the eighth film by Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And that's all I ever saw. I never saw mm-hmm. really any mention of Brad Pitt or, you know, anybody else in the film name wise and then until it came out. I will say that that's usually the first thing is the they're keeping tally of of his of his movies. Yeah. And I actually think it's the ninth cuz he I just remember that being a focal yeah. point in the in the marketing. And but I also remember the poster, and it had all of them. In it, it. it did, yes. But I, uh, when I was watching <laughs> I trailers, what, yeah. But such. see, that's what I mean. Tarant, you Tarantino can do that, just like M Night used to be able to do that, because that's a big deal too, because it's all you know. Tarantino's only going to do ten films, so um, sometimes the director can overshadow. Yeah. And M Night, I think, is a fine example of that. The only thing I would say is Tarantino. I feel like with every film he does. It's not just like one star. I don't know the oh, last no. time he's done a film that had just maybe two stars in it. <laughs> and that's not humanly possible. Yeah, I mean... Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> Only because yeah. some people maybe weren't familiar with Tim right, Roth. Right, right. Or, or Madsen. To a degree, Pulp Fiction, because at that time, outside of Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis... Right, Travolta's coming back. Coming back. Yeah. Um, Uma Thurman, I'm not sure how popular. Yeah, her she and then is. Eric Stoltz as well. But yeah, that's true. Um, then, and then, um, then uh, Vin Rangs, nobody knew who well, he was. Yeah, that's true. And then after Pulp Fiction, he didn't have a problem no. getting anybody. But, but yeah, no, it's true. Um, I just kind of lost myself in my notes there for a second. Oh, uh, Mel Gibson's character was originally written as an older character, mm. with not Mel Gibson in mind. Paul Newman was offered the role of Graham, but turned it down. And another Academy Award winner turned it down as well, Clint Eastwood. How about that? My God. This is what really blows my mind. So Signs Open against Road of Perdition, which Paul Newman is in, and he is incredible in it. But Paul Newman is on his last leg by then. By then? I mean, he's he's in his 80s. He has to be. I don't know how in the hell he's supposed to be inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just don't know how the hell that happens. I, I can't tell you. Unless he's in a recliner that whole <laughs> film. Like, well. Maybe and listen, it's written I from the Paul alien's Newman. perspective yeah, yeah. and he's the alien. Yeah. I would say I love Paul Newman and I'm glad he didn't do signs <laughs> for many reasons. A Road of Perdition is one of his fine. I mean, it, technically I think his final film was The Voice in Cars, but his final, like, 
in person when Is Road of Perdition, and it's a beautiful way to go out. If you haven't seen it, it's with Tom Hanks, directed by Sam Mendes. It has Jude Law in it. Um, it's a great movie. But man, is great it good. Movie. But I am shocked to hear that Paul Newman, like, I think Paul Newman turned it down and thought, what the fuck? I can't even. <laughs> you want me to go outside and chase things? What the in hell? A, in a cornfield? Yeah. Clint Eastwood, maybe. But you know, I swear to you, when you said it, you know who I thought would be perfect, and mainly because of if he is going with that kind of age. And because, I mean, he was a younger man in 2002, but I immediately thought Harrison Ford. Yeah, I mean, still would have worked. Could have seen it. And yeah, he could have delivered it, that yeah. dialogue as one un, one grumpy <laughs> son of a bitch. He could have. Now, Joaquin Phoenix wasn't supposed to be in this movie at all. Really? Oh. I didn't yeah. know that. Mark Ruffalo oh. was oh. set to play, but Damn. he had to drop out because he had a brain tumor. Oh, oh fuck. God. Yeah. Luckily, Did he make it? Uh, um, it's still up in the air. It's, it's touch or go still, God. but it turned out to be benign, so he was okay and able to make some... Incredible Hulk movies. Does that mean not real? That means, I mean, well, the tumor was real. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the one on my pinky here. Okay. All right. Well, I saw yours. I've never seen Mark Ruffalo's. Well, it was in his brain. He would have, he would have been good, but I, I, yeah, I I believe him more as a baseball player. No trades. Well, uh, I don't know. I I would. Not if I just go by stature and look. I don't know if I would. Uh Which then I'm like, God, what was. God, he was probably pretty young. I mean, not that he's old now, but he was probably pretty young. What 13 going on 30 was what, 2004? Sounds five, about maybe? right. And just like heaven? Yeah. Okay. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, Paul Newman. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's so crazy weird. to they me. They could have filmed it at his uh his ranch where he makes all his ranch dressing. Yeah. yeah. The, you know the ranch Basically, dressing ranch. Basically, you could have filmed in his home. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you, <laughs> M Night, go play with those aliens and crop fields. And just come back when it's time for me to read. When I think of that, I think of him casting. Um, I don't know his name, but the one that lights the Christmas tree on fire in Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I think of that actor, Chevy Chase. <laughs> no, his old. I don't oh, know if the, it's his uh, uncle, Uncle Lewis. Yeah. Oh, the old, the, the old guy, the cigar, guy, guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of him. The blessing. Being, yes, of yeah. him being in that crop field, saving <laughs> his family. By the way, finding out that Paul Newman was almost cast in the lead role is a bigger twist than yeah. the actual twist. Yeah, in this movie. it was. Yeah. yeah, that swing away shit has, and that water has nothing to do yeah. with trying to get an eighty-something-year-old Paul <laughs> Newman <laughs> to fight aliens. Which, by the way. <laughs> Were they? Were the kids going to be older? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking these might have been. And, and this is why I envisioned it. if he was going that route. I think Mark the Ruffalo brother, was going to be a son. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's the son, and then the two kids are his grandkids. That's the way that I would envision. Okay. Writing it that now, way. Now, now I'm thinking, but like we might have been onto something. But yeah. if Paul Newman and the Joaquin Phoenix, come on, do the math, man. Abigail Breslin. Well, Il Nye should have done the math. You don't ask a man that old to go out there and do that. I would have and loved then, it. I would have. Paul Newman could have been popping them off back let then. Let me tell you something. Yeah. And if Il Nye didn't want people to see Paul Newman, he can go fuck himself. <laughs> that was he's, the hangup. He's earned it. Yeah. Um. Let's let's get dark real quick. The uh, what scene was it? Um, Before you go, can I just ask? Yes. You said you were going to get to it. Do you have? Is there something about with M Night's ego? No, that's what. No, I was going to agree with you oh, where, where okay. you were going. I where you had I felt he believes that his after the Sixth Sense, especially his name was 
so big at that point, it could have been top billing, and that's all you needed. I wish you can probably Google it, but there are times where he thought his shit didn't stink. Oh yeah, and honestly, I think after the village and Lady in the Water, and actually, I think when the visit and split, like he start, like his name started to kind of gain momentum again. He talked about how humbling it was with that period of all those flops and stuff. So I mean, he's admitted it's Good. been, it's it. He was. He had to be his, full of himself. And his but, work's gotten better for it. But think of how young he was, though, with the six suits. Yeah. I mean, he was maybe thirty, if that. And so I'm like, he yeah. was no Kevin Kevin Smith. If then. I'm getting all that recognition, and then like I'm making some serious money, but I just everybody find wants it, to work with I me. I find it funny that he didn't want the his star to be the star. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny, but I thought maybe you had something. No, so. no, no. I was just agreeing with you. Because okay, I saw where sorry. you were headed. Sorry, go ahead. Let's get dark. Yeah, let's get dark. The scene in which uh, Mel Gibson's character Graham has his last conversation with his wife. Oh yeah. Before she passes. Oh, gosh. I'm I'm at my desk at work watching this on my laptop today because it's the first time I'd ever seen it, <laughs> and I'm looking around like, is anybody here? Because I'm about to start crying. That's tough. That was set to be filmed September 11th. Ooh. That gave me chills. Oh. oh. So they, they filmed it the next night after the cast and crew did a candlelight visual. Wow. Man. And he still couldn't get emotion out of him. Still, oh, <laughs> my God. That's fucking wild. Oh. Yeah. I need a minute. Uh, <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Do you oh. need, a, need me to pour you another M. Night Shyamalan real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Please do. I found it weird that the pantry scene where the uh, the um, uh, alien is trapped in the yeah. pantry or whatever, mm-hmm. that took three weeks to film. Why? I don't know. Holy shit. That's, I mean, that is, that's, that's one of the, oh, pivot, that's, it's a pivotal scene. It's, it's one of the big scenes in the movie. Yeah. But uh, there's not a lot that happens outside of the door and him, you know, with the knife and everything. Yeah. It does, it makes it, I guess it makes you wonder how much was in it, and maybe that's what it got kind of chopped down to, maybe. Yeah. But it is one of the coolest, most memorable scenes. So Absolutely. I guess if you're, if anything's going to take that long, at least it's one people remember. Yeah. Yeah. I I was kind of blown away by how much I really enjoyed watching this film for the first time, and, and look forward to going back and watching it sh- from front to to finish uninterrupted, unlike. You know, I had to do it today. Oh, watching there's it. a ton of Easter eggs yeah. in it too, sure. all throughout the film. There is so there is, and and there there are a lot of creepy moments. Like the first time you see an alien mm-hmm. when it go when it goes by. Well, I think were they in birthday. Mexico or whatever? Was it Mexico or birthday Brazil. party? It was, it was a birthday party, but I think it was in oh, Mexico or and, Brazil. And it's like, and I still remember the reaction in the crowd when I saw it, and everybody mm-hmm. was waiting for the knife and the finger, like because a little bit was shown in the preview, the yeah. trailer was, of mm-hmm. it, and um. I mean, he he got some good, chilling moments. Kind of made your little bit of a of a hair raising um, sequences yeah. along in there. But then I think it you're you are left waiting what the twist is, and I, I didn't mind it. It, it. I think it was a more subtle twist than like, oh god, it you know like, like you know, six cents. Yeah. Yeah. So like the I had my headphones in watching it in the very beginning, the opening music scene. I mean, the opening music from the opening, you know, credits and everything was chilling to me. Maybe it was just the way I was listening to it, yeah. you know, so immersed into it. But the, you're talking about, you know, Easter eggs and such. You, know, the birds, Night of the Living Dead, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers are all 
films that influence this film and I, and I just thinking mm. off the top of my head I can see that mm-hmm. in this film the looking back the birds not of the living dead okay and uh, invasion of the body snatchers mm. okay yeah. uh and in fact so M Night had the cast and crew watch the birds several times during production okay I get that now I think that makes more sense now I don't know if it really registered when I saw the movie, but I but the whole Hitchcock influence really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I didn't realize, like I knew going in after I, I read a synopsis going into the film, I knew he was a uh, a reverend who had kind of lost his faith because mm. of his wife and everything. Didn't know if he believed in God anymore. I didn't realize how religious the film actually subtly is until I until after the fact, and I was thinking about it. And I start like kind of getting a little deep, if you will. Uh, like, are these aliens actually just that? Oh. Or are they angels? Yeah. Because hmm. they talk about how they were there to take humans. Mm-hmm. So, did the aliens, angels, in my in this perspective, come down to rid the Earth of heinous humans and whatnot, mm-hmm. and then help? those in need so like when the poison is breathed into rory limpless body at the end is it actual poison or is it this angel alien actually curing rory's character of asthma Mm. yeah because i mean the twist in the movie was that Everybody said, oh, well, it was because his lungs were constricting that... He couldn't breathe it in. He couldn't breathe it in, but it could, it could also play that way, too. It could also play that... And the whole thing on water. I mean, yeah. I just think of holy water. We, we associate that with baptism, fresh slate. And she always you trying to shit on my idea? No, no. I, uh. but I'm just, I, I, think there's, I think there's other references just, I think, in faith. But then there's... I, I mean, why water? I mean, you could have picked anything. Kool-Aid. But, yeah, but I just feel like there's something that you associate with water as kind of this purifying experience. That's something that you bring that up. A lot of people got pissed when this movie came out because the aliens were killed so simply with Mm. water. Mm. I'm like... see people getting mad. Yeah, but I'm like, did uh, people take offense to the Wizard of Oz? I mean, that's how the witch is killed. And Mm -hmm. she even left a bucket of it in in her home, in her castle. Well, and I think it's it's also different to me because it's the you know there's references of it and she and the girl talks about how she doesn't drink it and he tells her, you know, quit leaving all these glasses around and stuff. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden someone throws water and it does. I mean, there's hints throughout that there's something about you know yeah. there's just something about it. Now, granted, it, when you're watching it, you're not thinking much of it because I think people are expecting this bigger twist and revelation, but you know, it's not how it goes. And I kind of liked. Like I said, kind of the the subtlety of it. I mean, just that it's. It, I mean, it comes together quite nicely. And if you look back, it's all hinted throughout. It's just the the dots are connected at the end to send it home. So yeah. I, I was gonna say it wasn't like some big revelatory uh, twist at the end, but more of a culmination of a lot of little things that made for one bingo really big cool ending. Yeah. It's all leading up to this finale where that piece and that piece and that piece, you're going to see why. You're going to see why yeah. we mentioned it or it's shown or, you know. Well, M. Night thinks that the scariest thing 
about the film is that a good man could lose his connection with God. And you see that, but luckily there appears to be a reconnection at the end with, yeah. with Mel Gibson's character. I would say the scariest thing in this movie, looking back, is probably Mel Gibson, <laughs> just in general. Yeah. Well, there have well, been. Well, does he think that Mel Gibson, like the real person, how does he feel about his I disconnection? Did, he didn't answer. <laughs> he didn't return my calls. No. Hmm. Unfortunate. I was, was going to try to. I was trying to, you know, spend time with him before before we hit record. <clears throat> but there have been critics that have uh, claimed that the birthday scene where you mm-hmm. first see the mm-hmm. alien is one of the scariest scenes of all time. Yeah, I saw, I don't remember which publication it was, but when I was looking up some of the reviews around this film, there was a publication that had it listed in like the top hundred scariest movie moments of all time. I don't, I don't see it, but I, for me it was. The movie, I, I was fucking shitting my pants. Well, for Signs, I think that's one of the scariest scenes. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's very shocking at first. It's quite startling, but of all time, I, I don't... I mean, I wouldn't put it way up there, but then I guess if I think like... I I think about the psychology of this movie and that being what makes it so scary. Like, they they never showed the aliens in the uh, mm-hmm. the trailers. Like, we don't yeah. really know what we're dealing with yeah. watching the movie. It's, it's a long time before we do see one. I don't think we even see one clearly until the end. And they're only, they're only in it yeah. for like a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah so... I thought it was a really effective use of our natural fear for the unknown, but yes. also like just the um, the build up to it. The idea that we're not safe in our own homes like these people. There's nothing we can do. These people, these aliens are in our cornfield. We don't know what's out there. Tapping into all these different fears that we naturally have that by the time. And, and I thought the, the Joaquin Phoenix character was an interesting parallel for this as he kind of descends into the, the madness. is like we're kind of parallel to that. Like the deeper hmm. we get into this movie without seeing the aliens, by the time we get to that fucking birthday party scene, we're tense and we're on right. edge. And then when we see it, it just – that's well, the moment. That's the hair-raising moment in this movie for me. And so much I, – I totally – understand that because if you really if you think about it and I, I guess it's what you were talking about earlier with Elm Knight talking about it's a family ensemble it's really about them yeah it's about yeah, them living mm-hmm. through through it. so a lot of it they're hearing on the radio or seeing on TV and the only thing they've really known is kind of the crop circle stuff and it's a you know it it's connected but I think anyone seen I think it's a nice touch that you when it but that birthday party it's through footage that's on the TV. So we're seeing it as they're seeing it. Yeah. yeah. As, and even how they're seeing it. So it's not at their doorstep. No. It's stuff that's happening, but it's not on the doorstep. But as things get closer, I think the more it gets tent, the more and more kind of suspenseful it gets. And I think once you start seeing it and they don't overdo it, that's I think that's the I think that's what he gets right is that he he gives you just enough, but honestly, it's still because you don't know. And like Stoney said, it's that fear of the unknown. Is it's they're out there, but and, they're not here yet. <laughs> and doing it that way, to your point, Brandon, I think creates a sense of dread because you start oh, yeah. feeling like, 
okay, here's a bit of a reveal, but it's still like grainy, shadowy yeah. footage. Mm-hmm. And we're actually going to show it to you twice. Yeah. They re- it's rewound. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they pause. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then this is what, like, you get this little tease almost. I hate to use that term because it's not a very uh, friendly encounter, but it's like you're watching it through this lens and saying, oh, my God, that's what's coming for us. That's what we're going to see on down the road. I get separated from that scene because immediately after it's shown the second time, all you see is what King Phoenix yelling at the kids that can't obviously hear them, uh, like "Move, children! Move, children! Vominos, vominos!" And I, <laughs> it's just the, his delivery yeah. had me rolling. I I remember people like gasping when they saw it. I do too. And a lot of times it's the first time. It's not when they pause that video. It's the first time, and it's like you said, you're taken aback. Because mm-hmm. again, you don't really know, and you know something is going to happen, but when is it? And it's that it is. There's a sense of dread as you wait, and that's some of the best horror movies do that and do it really well. And I think it's a difference maker. And it, I think M Night knew that and and executed it. Uh, I'd say almost to perfection because that was uh Damn what he it. wanted to. Yeah, what he wanted. To happen did so. Yeah. You got to give them props. Uh, props to the cast as well. It features two Academy Award winners. Yes, Mel Gibson and, and Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, and two nominees. Abigail, Abigail, and M Night. I, I oh, should have yeah. said cast. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. he is a member of the cast, so yeah, no, he is. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't Who speak wrongly. I don't. Was anybody? Fa- I don't guess there's anybody famous. I almost can't really remember what his wife even looked like in that scene. Did they show her? Yeah, yeah, they, they did. I remember they her did. in the car but i couldn't oh yeah because he's talking to talking her. to her yeah 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 like here's a, and maybe this is just me nitpicking at this point about mel gibson and but like i'm thinking if my wife is in her on her final moments with with me and whatnot her hand is visible you could visually see yeah. it i'm grabbing it i'm holding it you know i'm getting my last words and my last touches of my wife before she passes yeah and th- I, I hate picking out something like that minute I, but that just that, that stood out to me. I noticed that as like a what, 16, 16 year old kid. I yeah. re- I remember thinking like, why isn't he like holding his wife right now? <laughs> like this is n- obviously not going to end well. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting, but also I I I don't know. I think I just go back to when a man of faith and one of the most horrific things possible in life happens. It's almost like there's so much anger that I don't like because, you know, he hated M. Knight's character who did it. Yeah. And, you know, this is a whole thing about forgiveness and empathy. And I think he lost it the moment that happened. So I feel like anything that seems that would be by instinct, I feel like was thrown to like, I think it was he was shattered the moment that it happened. And I don't think and everything else that came after, it, including saying goodbye to his wife, I think. Was was altered forever, like a trauma response. Yeah, like yeah. you don't know how people are yeah. going to psychologically and, react. And I think with M Night saying that the, one of the scariest things is how a man can disconnect from his faith, and yeah. I think that's it. I think you don't. I it probably feels unimaginable to to people like you know like that. But I also feel like it something like that could also yeah. pull you back, and you may never see it again. And you know, I think I, I agree. I think Graham does. Yeah. But it took an alien invasion. 
Angel Invasion. Angel Invasion. I will say that the most... Uh, Can Sorry, I just want to say... I, Paul Newman would have grabbed her hand. Oh, he definitely would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the the... I felt the most emotion I saw out of Mel Gibson throughout this film is the scene with M. Night, where M. Night's about to like leave to go to the lake. Yeah. And like mm. you see him battling with what I thought he was going to say. Because, you know, M. Night kept talking about, I'm so sorry, you know, I didn't mean for this to happen, yeah. so on and so on. And it felt like Mel was struggling with almost saying, I forgive you, mm. or either going off the deep end the other way. And he had to battle with himself. That and you, s- you you see the emotion in his face. You see the tears rolling up. Hmm. And then he's like, I'll see you at the lake, basically. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I think that was pretty meaningful. Because I also think that's why I think all these other interactions are done on purpose. Is because there's a scene like that where it's starting to break. Those walls are starting to come down. And But he's also been through some shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not that he hadn't before, but now with the whole alien thing, I think he's really kind of, I don't know. I think it's kind of him making his way back. But, uh, but yeah, that was a good scene. M. Night's acting I've never been impressed with. But well, I, but Mel I, Gibson. I think this is the only one I remember him. I'm sure he was in other things. I mean, he's in his, I, I don't, I don't know. Does if he stand Lee it, basically? But he's the he's the doctor in Unbreakable who breaks it to Bruce Willis that he has no scratch and everyone else from the train is dead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and, but <laughs> no six, big deal. Sixth Sense, he's some... Is he? But he he doesn't play a big part in Sixth Sense, but he's in it. Okay. And and again, Unbreakable, this is the first time he casts himself as a, I guess you can at least say a pivotal character in the story. Yeah. Everything else he kind of mm-hmm. shows up as somebody, like like I said, a doctor or something. I will say I'm happy they didn't show the dog being killed. Yes. Yeah, they always show that. that. It's awful. They did that shit in Secret Window, and it sucked. I know. And they, what's the, um, what's the one that I hate? It, well, they actually show it already happening, but The Conjuring. Oh, they yeah. show it, too, and it's sad. That in Secret Window, I always, always think about. Um, I don't have a, too much to add. I, I don't have, like, any particular quotes that are stand out to me, but there was a scene between uh, Mel Gibson's character and Merritt Weaver, who mm. played the pharmacist clerk, who I just absolutely loved. loved her on New Girl, and she's been in some other things. And she's just really wanting, she's dead set on repenting these uh, the, yeah. these uh, sins of hers and whatnot. And finally, he just gives in and listens to her. And then she's talking about you know the curse word she said, and she asks, is, is douchebag a curse word? And he's like, well, I guess it depends on on the context and she's like well jimmy joe is a douchebag is that or is that a curse word she's he's that's a curse word that whole that whole little interaction made me giggle i, I think there's there's one quote in this movie and it's swing away yeah that's like swing away merrill yeah the one thing like immediately comes to mind about the twist i think it's never really about I think for for a movie like this, it's not really. It's about the imagery more than sure. than what's being said. Because I think I kind of remember them sitting watching TV with aluminum foil hats. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. mean, I I the crop circles. I mean, that was great marketing just in general to put that on a poster and all. I mean, that was sure. that yeah that really sticks out. But yeah, I think I think this movie is is really, um, is really kind of memorable for the. 
the scenes more than uh, the quotes. But yeah, I mean, I think the whole swing away thing is is one you can yeah the scene walk away with. where Joaquin is in the uh, the army recruiting office mm-hmm. and his interaction with Michael Showalter, who is the kid you know mm-hmm. that used to be on the slate. Uh, you see a sign that Merrill was a bully because, you know, Michael Showalter's character is like pointing out the fact, oh, you also have the strikeout record in the minor leagues, right? Oh, and he goes yeah, up to yeah. him and he does the whole little flinch thing. Oh, yeah. And then you fast forward to another scene where they're talking about, you know, whether these this alien invasion is true or not. And mm. he's talking about it's just a bunch of nerds in their basement because they can't get girlfriends or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this isn't really explored, but there's a deep, dark douchebaggery, if such a word exists, yeah. to this Merrill character that was never really, you know, developed. That's interesting. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't even really remember that. I, I remember that. It never really It definitely didn't my click, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it didn't click for me. But Y'all weren't bullied as a kid, were you then? <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't ah, really bastards. think so. You just, you just would understand my pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we were yeah. I mean, people were assholes to us, but I don't think I was. I don't think we ever really bullied, bullied. Yeah. And then it got to a point where you bullied. No, not bullied, but I think with just our humor, I no, I don't think we ever really ran into it. There's nothing anybody could say that we either didn't have something to say back or. Um, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't make know. fun of ourselves as well. So I don't, I don't remember anybody ever really coming at us, especially by the time we got in high school, which I feel like middle school and high school is probably the worst. But yeah, I don't yeah. remember that. No, I, I got bullied once in kids' club at Gladeville Elementary. A guy pushed me off the bleachers. I had knee problems ever since. Okay. I yeah, I, in elementary school, yeah, there was this one kid. Um, but then later you. It's also weird how later you grow up and you're like, oh. I saw the dude. This is we're going down a rabbit hole and we're already Let's go. we're already over an hour on oh this shit. show. Oh shit. I'm almost done. Um I saw the guy that pushed me off the bleachers in second grade when I was like 25 or so. Mm-hmm. This is when I was working out. I'm like 62. I'm a lean 220. Vengeance. Vengeance. I was like I dwarfed this guy. Like, I don't think the guy had grown. He was a fifth grader when he pushed me off the bleachers. I don't think he had grown since the fifth grade. And I just remember looking at him and thinking, like, if I really wanted to bring this up, I could I could, you could snap could you in half. Fuck you up. Yeah, I could fuck this guy up. So don't bully people. That's yeah. yeah. That's the moral of the story here. And if you have bullied in your past, make amends. Make amends. It's never too late. Yeah. Somebody's watching. All right, so I didn't get the chance to uh, drop a uh, a question okay. to wrap things up. Oh yeah. So if yeah. we have to, if we have to actually hit pause, we can do that. Give you some time to think. But let's just do something simple. Our four favorite uh, alien films. Four favorite alien films. Oh God. I off the the top of my head, I'd say Signs is probably one of them. Arrival. Arrival is another one. I like that one We're a lot. Same. It's on my list. Um, I would probably say the original Alien. Fair. Um, hmm. You could go Space Jam if you wanted to. No, that's okay. 
I would Do say we? Arrival, Alien. Alien is just one of those that it still holds up today. It was such a big deal when it came out. And I remember mm. seeing it when I was young. Like, not when it came out in theaters, but when I was young, I remember renting it and watching it. And I've watched it here recently. Maybe maybe it was last year for Halloween. When I say last year, like 2021. But Alien, Arrival, I would put Signs up there. I think that's a solid, still a solid one, uh, like as we're talking about it here. <coughs> I'll, yeah, I'll go me. ahead. Let me think yeah. about my last one. I'll go with mine real quick since I have it ready. I was never a big sci-fi guy, kid growing up. Uh, E.T. made me cry, so I said, fuck aliens after that. Fair enough. But I'm going to put E.T. as a uh, as my honorable mention. Hmm, okay. Because that's, to me, that's the quintessential kids alien film. Okay. So I'm going to go Super 8, another Spielberg. That's a great oh, movie. I, like that. I, I really that enjoyed movie. that. Uh, one I took my dad to see with no intentions of enjoying it at all, but District 9. District Ooh, 9 was great. I, do. I, I really that enjoyed that. Arrival, I think, might be my favorite sci-fi film of all time. That's such a good movie. And then uh, one that I, I think people love but don't really think about a lot, 10 Cloverfield Lane. See, I was gonna I like put the I was gonna put the original Cloverfield. I hate mine. the original because it, it really? just it just, it's not that I don't like the film. It just makes me sick to watch all the the motion, uh, the movement. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's um, yeah. What do they call it? The found footage stuff. Yeah. Shaky cam. Shaky cam. Yeah. I really liked it. I thought they they kind of captured the um, the panic of yeah. what would happen in in that situation well, and. Uh, I remember it being really gross and creepy, like the spores crawling out of the the caves, and then like inhabiting people and seeing the people popping behind the curtains at hmm. the uh, emergency facility they had. Yeah, um, that one was one that really stuck with me for a long time. I think I would put Arrival up there. I think District Nine is probably up there, and yeah. then probably Signs. Yeah, I think those would fair. probably be my my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I I like Ten Cloverfield Lane a lot, but I really District Nine. I, I that's that's actually like would be like number two. Like if I even had to put them in order, that would be even on up there. But yeah, I think Signs, District Nine, Arrival, and Alien. I think yeah, I'm I'd be happy with that one. You mentioned the Alien franchise and I just want to yeah. say I think the Predator franchise probably deserves some credit at least a mention in this conversation as well. Yeah, and let me tell you if you haven't watched it Hulu's Prey. Oh, so good. It's so awesome. awesome. It's awesome. It that's the I I would watch Predator and then Prey and then probably call it a day. That's fair. For that franchise, but yeah. I know our friends Brittany Brittany and Brittany who <laughs> Brittany and Jesse uh, would appreciate us mentioning the thing in this yeah. conversation too. I think, and I I saw where some, and I know people love it just because it's eighties. Is they live? They live. Yes. We didn't mention a quiet place. Oh shoot, that would definitely be up in mind. Damn it! Yeah. Damn. Both and we, of them. We mentioned them earlier than just. Yeah. Okay. And if I had to pick a comedy. I would outside of Spaceballs. That's not really an alien film. I'm going Paul. Paul ruled. I liked Paul. I like Paul. I would probably go Men in Black or Galaxy Quest. Fair. If you want to do a comedy, but 
But see, now you've messed me up. Because I know. A quiet place has to Could be Could you not have been floor. quiet? <laughs> well, a quiet I mean, place has you know, to be up there. It does. So I would almost put... What am I kicking out? Uh, I think signs, I think I'd have to push that out. Super 8's out for me. I think because Alien is too iconic in yeah. the way it's done. And I really like, I mean, A Quiet Place, District 9, and Arrival were all, I mean, top five movies every year for me. So yeah. I, and, but Signs would be number five. But yeah. Mine would be Arrival. I would put A Quiet Place 1 and 2 tied together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then yeah. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane and District 9. Mm. Those gonna, are some good ones, and oh a yeah. lot of them are fairly recent ones. Yeah, I'm gonna add the watch to the comedies. Oh yeah, with Ben Yes, Vince Vaughn. Uh, Independence Day. Nobody mentioned that. I'm oh, kind of surprised, yeah. but yeah. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's it's more fun entertainment. I mean, there's also Close cool Encounters one. of the Third Kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people would say ET should belongs. It should. United. Yeah. Are we in agreement that Arrival is number one? Did we all? It's say my that? number one. I think it's my number one too. Um, yeah. And and I don't I feel like Arrival and um, A Quiet Place. Uh, they're very different movies, but they yeah. are both. Yeah. Those are some stunning work. I think Arrival is to me is like what is like Tombstone to westerns, where it's that what, Tombstone's that western that people love who don't like westerns. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great and a, an arrival mm-hmm. will be that for sci-fi uh, watchers. Yeah, sure. I think sure. I understand that comparison. Yeah. And I, that director, uh, I mean, I can never say his name. Den- Denis Villeneuve. Denis. Denis. He's Canadian, French. But, I mean, he's done some of the best films. I Prisoners, Sicario, Blade Runner 2049, Dune. I mean. Dune 2. He's done some real shit. But Arrival's good. One of the last good Amy Adams films, I would say. I like the one she did with uh, Leo. The, the the Netflix one that everybody shit on. Oh, that don't End of the up. World. Don't Look Up, yeah. She was in that? Wasn't she? Mm. I don't know. She was in American Hustle. Oh, that was Jennifer Lawrence that was in I yeah. liked, uh, Don't she's Look in Up. Ju- she's in yeah. American Hustle. American uh I liked okay. American Hustle. I really like Nocturnal Animals. Was that after Arrival? Uh, she was on a hot streak. No, that was the same year as Har- Arrival. Oh, see? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a hell of a year. And then, anyway, she did that hillbilly elegy and Woman in the Window oh, Disenchanted. They can all suck ass. Anyway, I all right, let's Amy Adams. Why don't we get out of here? But yeah, <laughs> those are some good ones, but a lot of them we have the same. Yeah. And I can I just say I did you all see a quiet place in theaters? Oh yeah, yeah. Did That's you? the only way to see it. Mm-hmm. I agree, and I've never in my life, maybe besides a Star Wars movie, because Star Wars and the fans don't like to talk because they're too nerdy into yeah. it. But it was a full theater, and I mean, y- it was so quiet. Yep. And it's one of the best movie experiences I think I've ever had. I hadn't experienced a quiet theater like that since Blair Witch. Yeah. Mm. And then once I got out of a quiet place, I ran to anybody and everybody who had listened. I'd be like, go yeah. see it. Oh, I'm going to wait till video. No. Go see it mm-hmm. in the theater. It's n- it won't be the same. And I've seen it since and it's not. It's not. No, yeah. it's not the same. And you can't read. There's some things, you know, you can't 
can't be captured in a bottle besides yeah. that one time. Because once you've seen it, you've seen it. And then, you know, especially on top of just the environment. But but then, damn, they they release a sequel and pretty damn good. Pretty John damn Krasinski good. knows what he's doing. And the prequel is set to come out next year, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yep. With, or uh, this year I now. Think Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. She's in it with uh, somebody else. Another human. But uh, John Krasinski could be in it because he's not dead yet. Yeah, no, th- yeah, and he's they're doing a part three, yeah. like Emily Blunt, I think, yeah. is. So I'm looking forward to it. But nice uh, nice picks on everyone. Uh, yeah. For everyone. This was a happy episode of Drinking Happy it's been, and meaty. Yeah. It's been the best three hours of my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. So let's get out of here because right, uh, I've got some things to do. Okay. So check out all of our work. Well, first of all, let me say thank you for, for joining us for Drinking With uh, Signs. Uh, one of the rare movies we all three agree about. We'll see what happens next month in April. It's kind of in the yeah, air. Whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, but before you go, make sure you check out all of our work on SobrosNetwork.com. Also, we have a ton of merch up at our shop at SobroShop.com. You've got some tanks. Summer's be here Hell before you yeah. know it. Get you some good tanks and such. Uh, but so also support the gang through our Patreon page where you gain access to hundreds and hundreds of videos podcasts, articles, and so much more at patreon.com backslash Sobros Network. I believe that only sets you back five bucks a month. Is that correct? Five bucks a month. I mean, that's just one trip to Starbucks. If and that. you can just pay five bucks, explore the content library. Yeah. If you like it, stick around. If you don't, go to our OnlyFans. Cancel, cancel your subscription. Oh, yeah. cancel anytime. Yeah. Cancel anytime. Um, but most importantly to me, please subscribe to Drinking With on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And most importantly, give us a rating and review when you have a moment. Uh, your review will help us get better, and we'd like to be the best we can for you. And also, leave us a comment if there's a movie coming up from the year 2002 that you would like for us to review. We'd be more than happy to talk about it on Drinking With. Again, I'm Stephen McCash signing off for this episode of Drinking With. Mr. Brandon, tell the folks where they can find you on these uh, interwebs. On Twitter, if it's still there, at Sir Brandon V, hashtag Vix Flicks, most up to date movie reviews. And Mr. Stoney Keeley, you as well? At Stoney Keeley on Twitter and at Sobros Network on all major social media platforms. And you can find me at Elon Musk Playground, uh, at underscore MC, underscore, wait, what is it again? Yeah. At MC underscore Cash 75 on Twitter. I was so close to being out of here. Why don't you just change it? Yeah. Change it to just McCash. Somebody owns it. There's a grocery store uh, in Ireland who has it. What about an S McCash? Uh, that's that's too hard. Ice cream. Anyway, while I think about it, I have to return some videotapes, so we'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.